we know which is the happy side of the church. It's this side of the church over here. What's going on over here? I'm eager to learn. That was a good answer, Jack. Very good. They're a little bit mean, but they're eager to learn. This side, they don't even know we're talking about. They're just still chatting with each other. All right, they really don't. We're going to get into it here this morning. We're going to worship a little bit more at the end. In case you're wondering, is that a shorter time of worship? It was. We're going to worship a little bit more at the end. But we're continuing on this series of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And I bet you're like me, um, just loving, renewing uh, this revelation of who the Holy Spirit is in our life and uh, His work in us, and I really mean that quite genuinely. It's been a fresh uh, experience for me in my own prayer life and prayer time, so loving this series. Today we're talking about the gifts, and I wonder if you knew that there were gifts available to you, that the Holy Spirit gives gifts so that we can be a power in the world. And so often, though, we don't use the very gifts that God gives to us. Pastor Trevor last week said we can have a doctrine, what was the word? Can anyone remember the word he used? Doctrinaire. Never heard it before until last week. But he said we can be doctrinaire. We can have a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. But we can, he, he sort of said it like this, we can leave it on the shelf. And it's a little bit like that with the gifts of the Spirit. We sort of understand that we know that they're in Scripture. We know that they're there. They're widely accepted um, in the body of Christ, by the way. It's not like this is a controversial topic even, uh, really. Uh, very accepted. They're there, they're available, but I'll just leave them over there on the shelf. And that's not what God wants us to do. I don't know if you've ever done that with the Christmas gift. Who's ever got a gift for Christmas and then forgotten about it? Anybody done that before? And then like a couple of months later, you sort of find that gift and you think, I could have been using that gift. That was a gift for me. And I've left it tucked away somewhere, hidden somewhere. I've even done it worse where I've um, discovered the gift card. Who's ever done that? Oh, great, gift card. Turned it over, it expired like four months ago. Anybody done that? And it's like a wasted gift. It was a gift that was there for me to be able to use, but I didn't use the gift that God has given me. And this is what we've got to remember when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God has given us gifts for us to use. You know, that that the uh, vision of our church is to be a unique church provoking lasting change. That's the vision of our church. But do you know that the Holy Spirit is incredibly important in us and our ability to take hold of that challenge that God has given to this church? Uh, It says in Acts 1, verses 8, Jesus talking, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. There he's talking about the day of Pentecost, that incredible day. You know, the church was nothing until the day of Pentecost. It had all the miracles of Jesus, had all the teaching, had all the knowledge, and had all the witness. But Jesus says, don't do a thing until the day of Pentecost, until the day that the Holy Spirit falls on you, and then you can be my witnesses into the ends of the earth, because you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, without the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, without the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we know that the gifts fell that day, the church would have remained just a band of believers, just a little group of people that just sort of gathered together and talked about this wonderful Jesus Christ. But with the Holy Spirit, 2,000 people were 
out to the church on that first day. It was a magnificent day. It was the day of Pentecost. It was the day that power came to the church. And it's something we've got to remember about this church and what God expects from this church. I want to ask you the question today, how are you doing? Do you sense the dynamic power of the Spirit in your life? Because it's available to us today. The gifts of the Spirit are available to us today. Do you understand that His power is there for you today? It's a force in our life. Just an observation, you know, that the church is growing rapidly across the world. And we don't see it in Australia. Uh, It hasn't touched this pocket of the earth as of yet. But the church is growing and the churches that are growing are those churches that have an awareness of the Spirit in their midst that say, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, that I believe in the power of the Spirit in my own life. And my point is, all of this, that uh, the Holy Spirit is not an option. The Holy Spirit is not something, these gifts, they're not something that we can just leave on the shelf. They're not just a nice idea. They're something that God is asking this church. And I really mean that for Catalyst Church. He's asking this church to take a hold of the gifts that God has given us. I had the chance to spend a few days in Tasmania recently, and uh, it was fantastic. This uh, holiday cottage was sort of on this uh, seaside place. But uh, tell me one word that comes to you when I talk about Tasmania. Just yell out a word. Cold is the right word. Not two heads, not, not anything else. Cold, well, that would be two words, wouldn't it? Uh, but, but, hyphenated. Is that what the Tasmanians hyphenated? Is that? But, um, it's cold in Tasmania. And here's one thing that you learn really quickly. I was on my own. You've got to learn how to make a fire in Tasmania. Basically, if you've got to survive, you've got to learn how to make a fire. And so, uh, day in, sort of day out, I would, I, I would sort of make this fire. Be a Queensland. I didn't know at first how to do that. And I learned how to make this, this fire. And I learned that the flume, now I haven't actually been able to look this up. The flume is the part that sort of lets the oxygen in, right? Yes. Somebody tell me that I'm right. Okay. That's all right. Fantastic. And I learned this thing that you just by operating the fluid on the fire, it was amazing what would happen. That, what's it called? The flu, you see. I really meant it. I haven't looked it up. It's the flu, is it? It's a little bit weird, isn't it? Because that goes with the cold climate down there. So when you operate the flu a little bit, uh, oxygen pours into the fire and this fire leads to life. You guys have probably seen that uh, plenty of times. Oxygen and fire, they obviously go together. Now, why am I saying this? Father God spoke to me just a few days before I went down there in our readings, in our devotions. Paul says to Timothy, for this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of hands. And, you know, it just, it, it jumped out in that scripture as I learned to operate uh, that flu, as I saw uh, oxygen come into that fire, that just with the slightest adjustment, that that fire can come to life. And I want to say to us as a church, there are people here today that you've got the gifts of the Spirit, but they're just like embers. They're just glowing there. And maybe it's been a long time in your life since you, you've used the, the, the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Can I say, you've got to fan them into flame. You know, uh, you've got to breathe. We have a responsibility. We have a part to play. To say, God, take what I have, but let them fire up into a raging fire. God, let me see them used in a magnificent way. 
for your kingdom. But we do something. We get involved in that. And we fan those, 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 those gifts into flame. Maybe you say, I don't even know if I've got gifts. Well, you can call out to God and ask for them. Wherever you are on your journey, we can call out to God and say, God, use the gifts that you've given me. So I pray that today, God, at the end of today, we're challenged afresh. That God has given gifts to this church. That God has given gifts to you. I really want you to think about that right now. God has given gifts to you to use. And He wants you to fan them into flame. He wants you to use those gifts. So let's talk about it. Now I want to sort of go a little bit more, I guess, teaching for a minute while we just explore what are what actually are spiritual gifts. Uh, the Greek word for gifts is charisma. So you might sort of put that together immediately. Think, oh, that's charismatic. That's where that comes from. It is. Charisma is the Greek word for gifts. And, and charisma means something like this. It means gracious gift. That's a beautiful little analogy in itself. Some writers say it's a little bit like, uh, uh, it's a noun actually in the scriptures. And it's like a bundle of, of grace. It's like the Holy Spirit gives us a gift that is grace. So that we carry around grace within ourselves. And it looks like something. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit that He's given us. And don't forget too, it's, it's charisma, it's grace, so it's undeserved gifts. So maybe again you've come this morning and think, well, it's for the holy people, it's for the special people. They're the people, the people that have been Christians for a long time, it's for somebody else. No, it's undeserved gifts of the Spirit that He gives to people. Now there's many different types of gifts. Today I'm going to focus, by the way, on the supernatural gifts. Uh, that we find in 1 Corinthians 12, but there's many different types. There's the ministry gifts, and uh, you guys will know about the fivefold ministry gifts, like teachers and apostles and pastors. Fivefold ministry gifts, and then there's they, they call them the motivational gifts. That, those gifts are a little bit more wide at how we're wide. They're things like uh, leadership or servanthood or administration. But today we're going to focus on the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is something that we believe as a church. Again, I really want to make the point, it's not like Carol stands alone in the body of Christ. Uh, it's one of the unique things that's happened across Christendom uh, to this day. You, you nearly go to just about any church in this day, not all, but just about every church, and they'll acknowledge that the spiritual gifts are there for people to take a hold of and use. So they're not something to be fearful of. They're not something to be suspicious of. Uh, but we have the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4 to 5, he says, Our faith should rest on the wisdom of men, but on the demonstration of His power. And I believe this is the sort of things that he's talking about. It's not just wise words that we give, but it's the power of the Spirit operating in the life of believers. So what are the spiritual gifts? Let's talk about them. If you've got a Bible and you want to open it up, I'd encourage you to open it up to first. Corinthians 12. Now, Romans 12 also has a, a little bit to say, but we're going to focus on 1 Corinthians 12. It says, verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works over all men. And each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given the Spirit and the message of wisdom. So listen now. For the gifts here, the message of wisdom, to another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing 
by that Holy Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. And these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. So let's talk briefly about these gifts of the Spirit. We'll give a bit of an explanation, and then we'll wrap up by looking at how we receive them and develop the gifts of the Spirit in our life. Teachers often talk about three different categories, and uh, those categories uh, begin with uh, revelation, gifts of revelation. So I'm going to break them up into these three different categories. The first one, revelation, comes all about uh, the things that God's revealed to the earth. And so in this one, first up, you have word of wisdom. God gives the gift of the word of wisdom. As you're listening this morning, come and listen out and just think it's possible God's given you that gift and you're not aware of it. Has God given you the gift of wisdom? Or is that something that you would like to seek out in your own life, the word of wisdom? So what is the word of wisdom? You know, God has all the wisdom in all of the universe, and they say that the gift of wisdom is like a fragment of that wisdom that God gives to one person at one particular time. The biblical example is Luke 5, 4. It says the disciples are fishing. Well, the, the, the pattern of Scripture goes on that the disciples are fishing. And Jesus tells them to look at their nets on the other side of the boat, which is an interesting thing because Jesus is a carpenter, right? And he tells the disciples, you know, let down your nets on the other side of the boat. And I always sort of chuckle at this scripture because Peter says to Jesus, and who's watching the, the series The Bible at the moment on uh, Channel 9? About three people, fair enough, not doing so well in the ratings. But it was interesting, this last week they had a picture of this story. And what happens is, Peter says to Jesus, but, but, but Jesus, we've been fishing all night. There's no reason for us to let our nets down on the other side of the boat. You can sort of tell that Peter's thinking, you're a carpenter, you know? What would you know? And I always love, because I, I, to me, it feels like there should be like a five-second pause in the middle of those two scriptures, because nothing seems to happen. But all of a sudden, it's like Jesus looks at Peter and just gives him that look. You know the look that your mum can give you? Anybody ever experienced that look? But it's like Jesus looks at Peter and just gives him a look. And then all of a sudden, Peter turns it around and he says to Jesus, I've just lost it here in my notes. Um, he says to Jesus something. He says to Jesus, I've totally lost it. He says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. It's like all of a sudden he gets a revelation that I'm going to do what the master's telling me to do. And you guys know the end of the story. They pull up so many fish that they can't sort of even carry them in the boat. Now, what happens next is very interesting out of a word of, of wisdom. We find that Peter gets before Jesus and he says, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And this is what the word of wisdom does, is that we get a picture of God's wisdom, that, that God really is all-knowing. And, and we get a picture, and it brings conviction to the life of people. That is sometimes what the word of wisdom will do. It will bring a change in the life of people. If you read many um, different stories, you see that uh, a lot of the disciples begin to follow Jesus interestingly because he operates in a word of wisdom. So when we see a word of wisdom, something in us wants to follow him. And I think, again, that's important for us to remember as we're reaching out to other people, is God giving us a word of wisdom for them in their life. Word of wisdom is so important to the church. 
in so many different ways. For the wife, you think about a word of wisdom, for instance, would operate like this. Do I do this thing or not? Do I start this ministry or not? Do I go here or not? It might seem good. It might seem great. But God, is it your appointed season to do that? And a word of wisdom can speak to us in that particular moment. A word of wisdom can come in all sorts of forms, though. Maybe it could be praying about what school your child should attend. It could be all sorts of different things. God, speak to me. Give me a word of wisdom about something that might be in the future. I'll tell you one funny example happened to me in this very church. I maybe, wow, maybe plenty of years ago, maybe 20 years ago. And I often stood this away and thought, wow, it was amazing. I, was, I remember I was standing probably right about there. And my sister came forward to me and she said, Carl, I want you to come and meet this friend of mine. Her name is Jessica. And uh, that's right. Yes, it was you. I feel like I've got the gift of distinguishing between spirits right now. That was a good spirit. But my sister, she said to me, she said, I want you to come and meet uh, my friend. Her name is Jessica. And I distinctly remember popping in my head. And I've met plenty of people before, many of girls before. But in that moment, I just had this impression the girl that I'm going to marry came into my head. And a, a little question mark came with that. Because, you know, I, I guess I was like, what, what was that? Question mark, what, what was that? And I remember thinking, this, this could be or is the girl that I'm going to marry. It just sort of came into my head like that. And I remember walking from here. I've never seen Jessica. I remember walking from here to thinking, what is going on? What is that all about? And I walked around the corner and I tell you something, I was so glad that she was good looking at that moment when I saw her, that she was pretty. Because I was like, what, what, what am I about to walk into here? And so what did I do? I walked up to her and said, Jessica, you're my girl that I'm going to marry. Did I say that? Of course not. That would be the dumbest thing in the world to say. God gave me a word of wisdom. Don't say that to her. I didn't say anything. But I just stored that away. And to be really honest, I actually only told Jessica about that. As I reckon it was even maybe a year into our marriage, or maybe more. Um, and I just thought it away because we're human beings and we do sometimes wrestle with these things. Is it a word of wisdom? Is it not? Well, I just store it away. I believe God gave it to me and it helped me sort of guide me over those next years that lay ahead. So maybe one example there of a word of wisdom. Uh, next one is a word of knowledge. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, so closely related. One author sort of says it's a bit like the colors of a rainbow. You don't know where one starts. And what ends. And that's what it's like a little bit with a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. My best uh, sense of it is a word of knowledge uh, picks out something that's a bit more specific about a situation. So a word of wisdom is a, a fragment of God's wisdom, or a word of knowledge is a fragment of all of God's knowledge, his knowing about a situation. A little bit more specific. A Bible example is John 1 47. When Jesus sees Nathaniel approaching, he says to him, here is a, so Nathaniel is one of the disciples that is going to be a disciple. He says, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Nathaniel asks, Jesus says, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are a son of God, you are the king of Israel. This very interesting little happening of events there. But we don't really know exactly all that happened. Here's my guess. This is just totally my guess. Nathaniel was under that tree and he was saying to God, he was praying in that moment, God, 
if you're real, if this guy's real, the man you're going to meet, but if you're real, have somebody talk to me about this moment. That's my guess. Because for Nathaniel, it was incredible. Of course, they don't have mobile phones or anything. Nathaniel knows he walks from that place, meets Jesus, and the first thing Jesus says is, hey, I saw you under that tree. And it brings incredible revelation to Nathaniel about who Jesus is. And once again, we see people wanting to follow Jesus because of the word of wisdom. These gifts often cause people to want to search out who Jesus is, and that's what a word of knowledge is all about. Um, there's so many different examples in Scripture. Maybe another one is the woman at the well, where Jesus says to her, hey, I know you've had five different husbands. And again, we see in that situation that uh, the woman eventually begins to follow Jesus because of the word of knowledge that Jesus had for her in that situation. You might have experienced that. Uh, another example about me sitting in the front row of this church, we had a healing ministry came, and he said something interesting. He said, I believe that somebody here in this church has... Um, a problem with their left knee. And if you've got a problem with your left knee, put your hands on it right now. Pray for it. I'm just going to pray. We did that. I had a problem with my left knee, but I've been telling Jess, it's really starting to play up. I've had an operation on it. It's starting to play up. I prayed for it. I couldn't tell in that moment if it had been healed or not. It wasn't that sort of injury. But days went by, weeks went by, and I suggest that thing, that problem, is gone. Now, that was mixed with the gift of healing, but it was a word of knowledge about something specific. So when you listen out to God, God, what are you saying specifically about situations that I'm in? Better keep moving. Discerning of spirits. Interesting one in the middle of the list here is to discern means, uh, well, the definition is to distinguish between one spirit and another. And so discerning of spirits would be like looking what's going on in a situation and discerning, is this good or is it bad? Is it a good spirit? Is it an evil spirit? Scripture says that this is a gift that is given to us. We can discern what's going on. What a beautiful gift to be able to know when I'm speaking to someone. Is this deceit that I see in front of me? Or is it truth-telling? What we can discern by the discerning of spirits, we can ask God for that gift. Uh, One example is Jesus in Mark 9.25. He discerns that it's a mute and a deaf spirit in a young boy. And Jesus binds that spirit and casts it out. Now I want to say this, not all deafness... An old muteness would be a spirit, an evil spirit. But that's exactly the point. In that situation, Jesus looked at that uh, child and he knew that this was caused by an evil spirit and he cast the spirit out. He operated in the discerning of spirits. The key with this gift is insight from God about what is happening. I remember once being on a youth camp uh, and I was dealing with a, a young guy. I'd been dealing with the situation for quite some time. And uh, we were just talking, we had all sorts, we counseled, we talked scriptures, we talked, talked, talked. Talk. And, and on this youth camp, he was talking to me again. And a really interesting thing happened as we were talking. He sort of looked at me. And I've only had this experience, I think this is the only time in my whole life. But he looked at me, and in a moment, I, I asked him a question, and he said something back to me. And I saw something in his eyes that was not of this world, it was of another world. And I remember telling Jess about it again. And in an instant, I knew this was not just a, uh, an issue. It wasn't just past history we were talking about there. There was a spiritual dimension to the issue that was going on. It was, I believe, the gift of discerning the spirits in that moment. And that's what discerning the spirits is all about. I can deal with that situation differently because of looking at that, that guy in that situation and seeing 
uh, something different going on. All right, so that's uh, revelation, gifts of power. Incredible gifts that we have here. Faith is mentioned in the list there. You know, there's different types of faith in Scripture. There's faith for salvation. There's faith as a fruit of the Spirit. But the gift of faith here is faith for the miraculous. Now, anything is possible with God, and the gift of faith here is, in a sense, a fragment of faith for that moment. The example is Matthew 21, 18. Jesus sees the fig tree and he curses it. And in a moment, it withers and dies. And the disciples are amazed. And Jesus is almost bemused. And he says, if you have faith, you can say to a mountain, be cast into the sea, and it will be done for you. Now, what I find interesting about that scripture, it's always fascinating me. Jesus talks about that in the different Gospels. If you just have faith, you can tell that mountain to be cast into the sea. Interestingly, we don't see that happening very often, right? Has anybody ever seen a mountain being cast into the sea. I always find it interesting though because you, you've got to wonder why not because Jesus sort of goes on and he says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed and you tell that mountain to cast itself into the sea, it will happen. And I've always thought out of the thousands of years, God, that people have lived on the earth, why is it there hasn't been at least one person with faith that big to be able to tell a mountain to throw itself into the sea? Why, why hasn't that happened yet? I mean, we could we can give it a go now. Should I give it a go now? I could ask Pine Mountain. You guys have Pine Mountain just around here? Pine Mountain, be cast into the sea. Just be quiet for a second. Anybody hear anything? There's Diane Jones live out at Pine Mountain. Not currently, that's good. Now, why isn't that going to happen? Why isn't Pine Mountain going to be cast into the sea? This is a really important point in understanding why this doesn't happen. It's because the gift of faith wasn't given to me in that moment to throw Pine Mountain into the sea. This is so important in understanding the spiritual gifts. They're gifts from God in certain situations where God wants to move, where God wants to act. Um, And that is exactly the point of all of this. Uh, if God had given me that gift in that moment, if God miraculously had given me that gift, I, I honestly have no doubt in my mind, I have faith in God that he can move Pine Mountain, that he can throw Pine Mountain into the sea. But God hasn't given me that gift in that moment. And Jesus is at pains to say, if you have faith, anything is possible. But only if he gives you that gift of faith for that moment. And that's why we don't have to beat ourselves up for faith sometimes for the miraculous. Because we can say, God, I'm ready, I'm open. If you want to give me the gift of faith, you want to give me the gift for this moment, I'm ready and I have an eager uh, expectation for you to do good. But God, I'm looking for your gift, for your word to be spoken in this moment. Gift of healings. Our gift of healings is related to the healing of the body. This one makes a bit more obvious sense. It can be instantaneous, but it can be gradual. Always take a hold of that. You see that in Scripture. In John 5, 2-9, Jesus heals a paralyzed man. He goes about to walk his whole life. And he says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once, the man is healed and he begins to walk. Now, faith like this is, again, sovereign from God. And it's a little bit similar to the gift of faith. The gift of healing is somewhat similar. Just like mountains aren't thrown into the sea every day, people aren't healed every single time we pray. Although we have a greater expectation for healing because we see healing all throughout the scripture. If we see it, 
in the scripture, it's something we can expect in our own lives. And so we should be expecting, hoping for, the gift of faith. Pastor Trevor says it so well. He says, we have a, a hope for things, we have an expectation for things, but our faith is in God. So I believe every single one of us in every situation can have a hope and an expectation for healing, and we should. We should begin to operate in that. We should begin to push into that. We should pray that God's kingdom would bust through into this earth and we see healing come. But ultimately, God is sovereign. God, are you going to give a gift of healing in this situation? Are you going to do something amazing? Why don't you talk to Scott Donald? I think Scott talked to him just this week about um, how natural the gift of healing can look like. And um, Scott has talked about how he has uh, worked with the gift of healing in his own life. So, why don't you share that story? Yeah, the plumbing supplies are made um, on plumber. And uh, I had to get this hot water system, and the guys hadn't delivered it when they said they would. So I kind of asked them, uh, like, you know, when do you think you'll get around to it? And they all got, well, this other guy got up me, and he was really getting aggro. You know, the, the delivery driver, his wife's really cool, you know. And um, so I said, oh, okay, well, tell me when you can deliver it. That's what I like to see. You know. So I said, can you get it back tomorrow morning? So he said, I'll see what I can do. You know, he's really kind of trying to protect the co-workers. So um, the next day, the, um, the actual delivery driver who has a sick wife, he, he dropped it off. So um, he was looking like really sheepish because his wife was really on death's door. But, but he couldn't understand why the hospital had sent the wife home. So she was at home on some new medication. Anyway, uh, I was talking, I said, hey, Anthony, I heard about your missus, you know. How's the things going? And I said, oh, she's not looking good. And sort of so I said, well, Anthony, would you mind if I pray for you? He said, yeah, sure. He didn't even know. He's not a church guy. He didn't even know. I've never prayed for anyone where they've said, you're so evil because you prayed laid hands on them. Everyone always likes it. You know, I mean, they think you're really good. You'll never get into any trouble. Right? So I laid hands on him. And then after, and he was really, like, amazed, you know. And his wife's getting better. And... Um, I just kind of think, just be a kind of a chaplain kind of person wherever you are, just, you know, minister to people and every morning power up in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, and you'll forget what happens in that day is just amazing, you know? Yeah. Just, I thought it was just a great, really natural example of being able to look to God for a gift in a certain situation where you need it, and we're going to uh, continue to talk about how that works its way out as well. Okay, so then we have uh, we have a gift of healing. Um, what about workings of miracles? Is tucked away in here. Uh, workings of miracles as opposed to healing are normal, normally instantaneous. We just see something incredible happen in a moment. Uh, lots of biblical examples. It says in the scripture that the Pharisees were amazed, or that the Jews were amazed at the miracles that Jesus did. Plenty of them. We see him turn uh, bread and feed 5,000 people with it. We see him turn water into wine. Miracles that Jesus did. Again, with miracles, the gift of faith is often associated with it. And just one little, you know, with miracles, just a plan in your own scene, oftentimes with miracles we see, uh, it's like God stretches people with their activity of faith. So, for instance, when Jesus is talking to Peter and they want the temple tax and they have to pay the temple tax, remember that? He says to, uh, I think it's Peter, he says, uh, go out and go fishing and you'll catch a fish and when you pull that fish up, you'll find that there's a gold coin in the fish's mouth and use that. 
as a temple tax. Now, that was a miracle in that situation, but it required something of Peter in that instance. He had to go, he had to be obedient, he had to demonstrate faith, even with the servants turning water into wine. They had to fill up the jugs with water first. So sometimes God will ask you to do something that just seems a little bit strange, maybe, but you're still pushing to it. You say, all right, God, this is my sense, and this is what I think you're asking me to do. This is how you're going to activate the faith that's in my life. Be open to God. Don't put the Holy Spirit in a box as He speaks to you. And then the last category is the vocal gifts. This category obviously has to do with uh, the voice. Different kinds of tongues is one. Uh, It's the ability given by the Holy Spirit to speak in a language not understood by the speaker. Now, you may not be aware of this, but it does say that there's different kinds of tongues. And that's just worth understanding. Uh, We see when we pray for something for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not always, but oftentimes we see people begin to speak in tongues. Most of the time we believe that would be a personal prayer language. We believe scripture backs us up in that. That's a personal prayer language between you and God and the Holy Spirit in a sense mediates on your behalf. Um, Other times, say in Acts chapter 2, where they're speaking in tongues, it's actually languages that other people can understand. So it's like me today bursting out and speaking in French, which I can't do. But that would be me speaking in tongues. We see that time in Acts chapter 2. In this instance, scholars, or or some scholars believe that it's uh, in regards to being able to speak in tongues in a public meeting like this, coming forward and in a sense prophesying something. That would be speaking in tongues. But what's interesting is the next gift which goes on. It says interpretation of tongues. That's why I believe this is in the list here is because that the Holy Spirit will speak to people and people will be able to interpret the tongue that is brought and bring edification to the whole church. And, and Paul says in First Corinthians, he says that you should pray that you might interpret the gift of tongues. And the last one I think I've got on the list here is prophecy which is a mighty one, a powerful one. Prophecy is speaking words given by the Holy Spirit in a language understood by a speaker. It can take so many different forms. Sometimes it's speaking future events. Sometimes it's speaking a word of encouragement. And in Acts 21.9, Luke refers to the four daughters of Philip as having the gift of prophecy. A few things about prophecy. What is clear from the scripture is that prophecy is primarily for the for edifying or building up the church. So important when it comes to prophecy. Uh, it, it should be about strengthening, encouraging, and comforting us. That's why we as a church, we're a, a larger church. We don't know everybody. That's why you'll see if somebody comes forward, it doesn't always happen. But if somebody comes forward and they want to share a word of prophecy, we'll ask you to come first to one of the leaders at the front and we just check out, is, is the word going to build up the body? Is it about edifying people? Will it bring any encouragement to people? You know, human beings, I sort of said this a little bit before, we can be fallible sometimes. We can get things wrong in our own spirit. The Bible acknowledges that. It says the prophet should be subject to the prophet. It says sometimes believers need to judge prophecy that's happening in the church. That's okay. But we come forward and we make sure that we're building each other up, that we're edifying each other. And all of the gifts lean into this, that we uh, love each other with the gifts that God has given us. So what now do we know about spiritual gifts? Having read that passage and starting to look at what God has got for us. Just a couple of things. The, the first one 
is very obvious they are supernatural. These supernatural spiritual gifts that we have, they're out of this world. They're God-given. So it wouldn't be like God has given uh, a doctor the ability to heal gradually using medicine. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about God's supernatural ability to impart a healing to somebody. We've got supernatural ability to give wisdom into a certain situation. The next thing is they're God-given. It says in verse 7 uh, that, that, that these gifts are given by Him. And it's important to know you don't get them from a book. You just got to hear this. You don't get them from a book. You don't get them from uh, Benny Hinn. You don't get them from TV. You don't get them from any of the pastors here. They come from God, which is such a good thing. Such a relief to me because that means my trust and my faith, my expectation is in God, not in man. I don't have to have a word. It's God that has a word for someone. I don't have to heal anybody. It's God that heals people. I don't have to have clever prayers, loud prayers. I don't have to be amazing. I don't have to be some sort of personality that I don't think I am. I don't have to wear a white suit and, and be a certain type of person that I see on TV. That's not who the gifts are given to, the gifts are from God. And God does the work. The next thing is, I've said this a little bit, they're for the common good. Because we've got to hear this, it's so important. They're for the common good. It says that in those words in verse uh, 11, I think. They're not for me to be amazing, they're not for you to attract power and following. They're for the common good. They're for each other, they're for building up the church. And as such, they're incredibly diverse, especially when you look at the whole gamut of gifts. Some gifts are about being up here in front of people. Other gifts are, uh, when you talk about the whole lot, they're about serving and behind the scenes. But all of them work together for the common good. Paul stresses this. Very interestingly, we have 1 Corinthians 12. Spiritual gifts, it's amazing, it's crazy. 1 Corinthians 13, what's that? It's the famous love chapter. 1 Corinthians 14, and back on gifts, let's talk about the supernatural. And Paul is making a point here. He's saying, don't forget love. Love must be central in the gifts. Love must be the thing that pervades everything else. Paul says, let me show you the most excellent way. And then he goes on and says, if I, have, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love, it's, it's useless, it's nothing. We must have love in the middle. We must have this fruit of the Spirit for our gifts to come to any sort of sense of powerful use. You can operate the gifts, by the way, without having the fruit of the Spirit without having the character of God in your life. It is possible. You shouldn't. That those gifts, I believe, come to nothing in the end, but you can operate in that. And that's why it's important to know if you see somebody operating in spiritual gifts, doesn't mean that person is holy or special or that you should necessarily follow them. It just means they're operating in that spiritual gift. Here's one example. Think of Balaam's donkey in the Old Testament. That donkey was given the ability to speak right? But does that make the donkey any special? Does it, does it make the donkey holy? The donkey was a donkey! You know? That's all the donkey was. He was given a gift for that moment. Interestingly, there's nine fruit of the Spirit and there's nine spiritual gifts. It's like God has a little bit of a wink there and says, hey, you need both to be able to reach everything that I've got for you in your life. Next week, uh, Pastor Dan is going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He's telling me that. He's excited about the message that's already coming. Uh, so watch out for that one. 
It begins to always about building up the body. So what's our response here in the middle of all of this? We're um, you know, going to go back into the worship in just a moment. And I would genuinely encourage you to begin to worship God, begin to say, God, fill me with your spirit. God, I want to receive the gifts that you have for me. I want to operate in the gifts. And that would really be my first point here this morning, is that we desire the gifts that God has given us. It says, firstly, we have to eagerly desire them. 1, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, it doesn't just say desire them. It says, eagerly desire the gifts. If I'm going to eagerly desire something, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be sitting back. Uh, if you heard anything from Pastor Trevor last week, hear this. He said, don't just sit back. Don't have hands in pockets. Don't cross your arms. You do hear this talk sometimes in churches. Well, if God's going to give me the gift, it'll just happen like that. It can, and you know what? It can happen like that. But the scripture tells me that eagerly desire them. God, I know you've got good gifts for me. You've got great things that you want to impart to me. God, what are they? I'm excited to see what needs are out there where I can use the gifts that you've given me. God, I want to activate. I want to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Desire the gifts. Desire them. John Wimbo, you guys know that name. He's a famous uh, pastor who uh, operates or did operate in the gift of healing. Well known for it. He talks about his journey of desiring the gifts of healing. Very interesting story. I was just reading it yesterday. Desiring, looking for the gift of healing. Found that it wasn't coming necessarily, but that didn't stop him. He continued to desire the gift. He would pray for people. Nothing happened. Pray for people. Nothing would happen. This one day he went to somebody's house and he prayed for them that they would be healed. And he says in his book, he says, I prayed for those who's died in bed, written sick, on a deathbed, she's probably going to die, she's, she's lying there. And he said, I turned, I prayed for her, I turned to the, the husband and I started apologising that she hadn't been healed. And he said, I just used a well-used routine of apology that I'm sorry that I haven't been able to heal her. And he looked back and the lady wasn't in the bed but was standing beside him, totally healed, totally well. And he was as shocked as the lady was. But what he says is, and that's a great little insight into the fact that it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God that we see. But he, he says, I continue to see. I continue to push into the gift of healing. I'll say this to you if you're sick here today and you've been prayed for and you haven't seen the healing. I'll say, keep coming forward. Keep, keep searching for God. Have an expectation for healing. We see it in the scripture. We believe it, that God is sovereign. And we carry around these two truths. Um, and that is just, that's, that's the way that God intends it to be. And the same with seeking the gifts. Seek after the gifts. Don't stop. If you don't feel like you receive the gift the very first time you ask, desire them. My children are very good at asking and asking and asking and breaking me down as a parent. And I think every parent here knows what that's like. Keep seeking after God. Get excited about what God has got for them. He's got for you. How do we receive them? You know, what I don't want to do is make a formula out of anything because I can't even find a formula in the scripture. I think you can receive them in any number of ways. But one thing we do see in the scripture is that we can pray and ask for them. Uh, again, I think 1 Corinthians 14 talks about praying for the gifts. So pray, ask God, God, give me the gifts. Remember, they're grace gifts. They're not because of what you've done. They're because of what God has done. So I say, God, I just pray for those gifts. I'm not necessarily worthy, but I ask you for the gifts. I want to see the supernatural 
operating in my life. In James 5, 7, 17, it says, Elijah was a man just like us. And the context is that he prayed for gifts of, of healing and he prayed for the gifts. But interesting, Elijah was just a man like us. But Elijah, I thought, was amazing. He did incredible acts of miracles of power. But James says he was just like us. He had doubts, he had worries, he had concerns, he wasn't sure if he could trust God. But he prayed and asked God earnestly for him to bestow gifts. And that's what we do. We get excited in our spirit. We stir ourselves up. We fan the flame that is in us. And we say, God, speak to me. God, I want to receive the gifts that you've got for me. And humble yourself and pray and ask for God to, to give you the gifts. You know, there's nothing wrong with praying for each other. There's nothing wrong with praying to receive the gifts. We also see uh, in other scriptures that Paul says to Timothy, you receive the gift when we lay hands on you. So look, there's another way, maybe, that you can receive gifts of the Spirit. I don't think there is one way, but certainly I would be eager and I would be looking to God to give me gifts. Maybe you want to ask, what gifts do I actually have? Again, there's different ideas out there about how you would even know this, but I believe you begin just to notice what's in front of you in your own life. And, you know, I believe God does give gifts to people that we carry around, but I believe God asks us then to look to Him to activate them within our life. So you might have the gift of healing, but God wants you to activate it at different times, and God will be sovereign in that as to whether the gift of healing will come about. Sometimes you might need to just be moved by what is in front of you. So if you see somebody sick, that's probably a great time to say, God, do I have the gift of healing? God, I, I ask for the gift of healing. Do you see somebody discouraged? Here's a great one that you can begin to operate right now, right here today. Do you see someone discouraged, sitting alone? Well, just say, God, just will you separate from me? Is there anything you want me to say to that person? How can I be an encouragement to them? You don't even necessarily have to say, God just told me this about you. But it might be just coming alongside. Who here, God, do you want to give a word of knowledge to, a word of encouragement? Who can I speak some prophecy over in that person's life? Begin to look, God, what can I do in the life of people? And maybe the other thing I'd say is operated in faith. There's always a faith dimension to any of the gifts, a stepping out onto the water. When, when Peter did the, you, you think about it, it was miraculous when he walked on water, right? It was a miracle. But he had to get out of the boat. He had to step out. There was some sense of saying, God, I trust you with that. You know, that's the way it is. Sometimes we have to operate the gifts that God gives us. Um, Pastor Trevor last week talked about Joshua when he went into the Jordan and he had to step into the water and then the waters receded. There's an activation that comes from the faith that we have in our life. And then I would say lastly, develop the gifts that God has put in you. Paul says, excel in them. That says to me we can get better and better and better. I'll say that to us as a church. Don't be worried if you think, I think I've got a gift of word of knowledge or prophecy or healing. Well, develop the gift. Learn to trust God in that gift. Sometimes it might look awkward. I'll say this, have humility in the way that you operate the gift. You might say to someone, I have a sense that God is saying to me this about you. But I'll leave that with you. Rather than God told me this and you must do that, begin to develop it. What do you think of that? Does that ring true for you? Learn. Experience it. And 
And sometimes that might look a little bit messy. Sometimes that might not look all clean-cut exactly as we want. But, but the good thing is we're learning, we're journeying with God. What's God says that many churches today are orderly simply because they're asleep. And with some, one fears that it is the sleep of death. You know, let's not be the church that has the sleep of death about it. Let's be a church that is excited about the gifts that God has for us. You know, God has gifts for people here today. I believe God wants to impart gifts for people here today. We can receive His Holy Spirit here today. We can be filled again with His Holy Spirit here today as we come before Him with eager expectation. Saying, God, I don't just want just knowledge in my life, but I want spirit and truth. I want to walk in all the fullness and all the power that you have for me in my life. Let's fan the flame of God in our life. Let's get that raging fire beginning to operate in our life. Let's see God breathe on us here. And you know what? It begins here this morning and it begins every moment of your day. Call out to Him. Fast. Hunger for Him. And say, God, I desire every part of you. And certainly one aspect of God that is beautiful is His spiritual gifts, the supernatural gifts of God. So let's stir that up in us here this morning. We're going to worship as we finish here today. And um, we're, I'm just going to pray in a minute, but what I think I'll do, I'll come up probably in the second song here. I'm just going to invite people, whoever wants to come forward, to come forward. And we're just going to pray for you that you be filled with the Spirit. We're going to pray for you that you would receive gifts. We've, we've said to the team that are here, we'll, we'll look to God. Is there God who wants to pray a certain way for people? We just believe that God can speak and breathe on people here today. We believe the gifts are real and they're in operation in this church and there can be. Heavenly Father, we pray, God, we thank you for the beautiful gift of your spirit. And even as we begin to worship here this morning, we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fall on us as a church. Fall on us as people. Let us receive your spirit afresh and anew. And God, let us begin to take the fullness of everything that you have for us. And we thank you, God, for the beautiful gift of the Spirit. We worship you and we desire you.